0: All right, so as we survey the entire Bible, we're going to spend 15 weeks in Genesis because it's such a big chunk of all of human history. It covers about 2,400 years of the 6,000 years of human history. That's, that's a lot, right? So we're going to spend a lot of time there. So it kind of gives us a perspective of where we've been so far. So today's lesson is about the Tower of Babel, uh, and there's a statement here, uh, the greatest of all sins is, somebody make a guess. I've got to vote for pride. Anybody else? Greed. Greed. The greatest of all sins is sin. It's both iterative and somewhat correct. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to default to Darla's first answer is pride. Uh, it, we can certainly say that it was the first sin, right, because Adam and Eve looking at, I want that, right? I want, I want that knowledge. I want to be like that. I want something. And that's, the root of all that is kind of this pride issue. So we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through. Now, as we've noticed already in Hebrew literature, Hebrew literature is not linear, okay? Linear for non-math folks. Linear is, I I see a target, I'm going to walk directly to where I want to go, okay? Hebrew literature is much more, I'm going to end up where Stacy is, but I'm going to come over here and say hey real quick and, and then I may back up a little bit and then I may come talk here and, and I may look outside and go in this hole other the door and just talk to somebody in the hallway. Hey, Roger. And then come back in and never tell you that it wasn't a straight line. Okay? So you really have to be paying attention to what's going on with all the clues in the stories. Does that make sense? You with me? And you can see this very clearly in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. If you read the first three chapters of Genesis and think in your mind that everything is linear, you will be all messed up because it bounces around. It goes forward and then it goes backwards and it goes sideways and then it goes forward. And you finally end up with, okay, they sinned, right? I'm over here. Here we go. <laughs> those of you here last week, you you Or it was three weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was three weeks ago. All right, so Genesis chapter 10, right? So somebody read the first verse of Genesis chapter 10 for me. Real loud. Stand up. Read it. Who's got it? Uh, I don't think Barry's here, is he? Okay, Stuart, in the back. There we go. All right, so Noah gets off the boat. God tells them to do several things. One of those things is to what? Have babies, right? And have your babies have babies. And have lots of babies and go and fill the earth. This was God's original command to Adam in the garden, right? Fill the earth. Okay. We're going to fill the earth. God's all about filling things up. So Genesis chapter 10 is called the table of nations or the genealogy of nations. It kind of shows you where everybody started from, and who the descendants are, and it's got a lot of begats, and the sons of so-and-so, and it was 47 years, and this person had a son, and really, really exciting, riveting stuff, if you're into genealogies, okay? So today's class is not a genealogy, but in verse 25, Stuart, can you read verse 25? I think it's verse 25. Yeah, I know. There's one really important name in verse 25 that gives us a clue as to what happens in chapter 11. There you go. For in, day, the For in his day the earth was divided. And that's it. That's the only clue we have around to what's going on here. Well, most Bible commentators believe that if you stop and pause right there and then go insert Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, and then come back and read the second half of Genesis ten twenty-five. That's the true linear flow of the text. Now the problem is that the Bible tends to group things together with like kinds of literature, right? So it gets in a flow of all these begats and having sons, and buddy, we just get on that track, and we put our head down, and we go forward, right? And we talk about having babies. And then it's got other stories that that flesh things out and make these characters real for us. So... I believe that Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9, the story we're going to talk about today, happens in the middle of Genesis 10:25. So thank you for tackling the name, Stuart, because that was brave, right? Oh, Ruthie helps you? There you go. Way to go, Ruth. Yes, at least somebody in his family knows the Bible. <coughs> That's good. Oh, I love you, man. Hey, I'm surprised you didn't say something about Auburn winning. i uh, okay, he said war eagle under his breath. All right, I, I knew it would be something. Okay, so Genesis chapter uh, 11. I put nine in the notes, didn't I? Wow, yeah, scratch that out. That's 11. My first math mistake of the day. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, so Genesis chapter 11. Here we go. I'm just going to leave that alone. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. This is kind of the idea that everybody was doing the same type of thing. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and dwelt there. So who is the they? The whole world. So how many people are there at this point? I said the flood was about how many years before? If you go back and do all the math and figure up all the baguettes and the had the sun and whatnot, it's around 100 to maybe 120 years at most. So from eight people getting off the boat, give them 120 years. How many folks do you think you could have? Doug says a million and a half. That's some octo moms going crazy right there. That's. (laughs) They had a lot of kids though, okay? Now, the other thing you want to remember is that were they healthier or unhealthier than we are today? Healthier, right. Because man has had the our current day man has had 6,000 years, give or take a couple, to, no, not sit on the couch, (laughs) to feel the effects of sin, not only in our world, but in our bodies. Okay? So 6,000 years of accumulated sin. Yay! Boy, didn't we get the good end of the deal, right? So... A lot of scholars feel that they were much more, um, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Robust. Robust. We'll go with robust. That works. This one's not being recorded this morning, so it may go a lot of different directions. It is. You got it. Nice. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears then, because I was about to talk about something that I didn't want on tape, so okay. All right. Stop the tape, right? Uh, We'll just go there anyway. All right. So, Genesis 9 1. Who knows Genesis 9 1? When when Noah and his boys and their wives got off the boat, God told them to do something multiply, right? God's a mathematician. There it is. Black and white. That was a joke, guys. They're not going to get better, I promise. Multiply? See? No? Seriously? Okay, I try. So, they were commanded to fill the earth, is your blank there. They were commanded to fill the earth. And what they did is they centralized in one place, right? Now, of all the sins that are in the Bible, I can probably most closely relate to this one. Because I like being around people. I like living in a protected social community. I like the effects of society and living in cities. Now, I grew up in the country, love the country, but I live in the city. I'm not a city boy, I'm a country boy, but I, I, there are some things about the city that I really enjoy. One of them is protection, right? If something goes wrong on the farm, it's going to be a while before somebody gets there to help out. may not be able to communicate. If something goes wrong in a city, a lot more resources that can be brought to But You, you guys kind of seeing this, where I'm coming from here? So what they did is they centralized in one place. Now, the problem for this line of thinking, though, if you think about it long enough, is that who are we depending upon for our security? Each other, right? And and to a certain degree, that's true. We should depend on our community for protection. But that's not the real source of our protection, right? God is the real source of our protection. And disobeying His commands just to be around people and to be safe, that doesn't work. That's not a justifiable reason to disobey God. So my question is, what is a justifiable reason to disobey God? Yeah, good luck with that one. All right. There's a blank that has no answer. <laughs> There's no reason. There's no reason to justify disobeying God. So, now this has only been a little over 100 years until what event happened? Would you look at your timeline at the top? There's a little circle. It's a circle. It's not a triangle, right? Nobody got that either? Wow, okay. There's like three or four of you going, did he just go there? I said, Yeah, I did. There's about a hundred years since what? The flood. Everybody got wiped off the face of the earth for what? Sin. And God tells them, go do this. And they go do something completely different. Really? Because granddad told me the story about everybody dying. Right? I mean, Noah is still alive in, the, in this story. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they're all still there. And yet, disobedience occurs. So what does this tell us about mankind? Hard-headed. We're hard-headed and we're slow learners. Yeah, and we don't get it. And we see this cycle, and you'll see this as we go through the Bible, go through, especially the Old Testament, the cycle of obedience and disobedience. And obedience and disobedience. And obedience and disobedience. And you begin to think, well, they're just bipolar. No, they're just like us. That's kind of what it is. They're Bipolar, right, yeah. We like to sin, and we don't like to sin. We like to sin, you know, we just go back and forth. Can anybody relate to this? Nobody can relate to this? I've got six honest people. That's awesome. All right. Your wife can... Re- <laughs> Careful now. All right, so verse 3. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. So they're, gonna, they're getting ready to build something at this point. Now, where are they at physically, geographically? Where are they at? In Shinar. Ooh. And that means what? Not much to me. Where are they at physically, geographically? No, no, not, not um, let's say topographically then. They're in a... A valley, a plain, right? A, a low spot. So if you're going to build a tower and you wanted to reach, we're going to get to that in just a second, if you wanted to build a tower and reach to heaven, where would you want to start? Yeah, uh, I, I would not start in the plains. And where they were, this shows how committed they were to pulling this off. They didn't even have the proper building materials. They didn't have stone. Because if you're going to build a tower, I would prefer to use natural resources, right? Now, what they did, they literally dug in where they were and made bricks. They made, they took the time to build the things that they were going to be disobedient with. Can anybody relate to this? You ever had a time in your life where you, you're like, consciously set out, I'm going to go and do this, and I'm actually going to build the mechanism whereby I'm going to disobey? Yeah, I've been there. Right, we probably all have. And that's what they're doing. They're literally digging in. We are going to accomplish this. So this is pretty passionate. Now Now resolve, we look at somebody who is resolved to do something today and we go, "That's pretty admirable, right? But if you're resolved to do the wrong thing, that's the wrong direction." So verse four, and they said, "Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for Oh, ourselves, right? And, and this, if, if you kind of have been wondering, are they doing the right thing? Are they not doing the right thing? This is a big red flag that, whoa, we're not doing the right thing, right? Let us build and make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And, and what, what did God want to have happen? He wanted them to fill the whole earth. They want to make a name for themselves in defiance of God. That is literally what is happening right here. So, the real issue is that God was never considered or consulted. He had no part in their plans. And we still make plans like this, right? Because it seems logical. It seems like the right thing to do. Well, of course, all these things just fell into place, so I should do this. I don't have to ask God. Yeah, we do. So, we see a great example of ignoring God from a planning perspective. So, the next blank there is, man is not to make a name for himself, but to make a a name for God. God, Right. We're to make a name for God. Reflecting that glory. Everything we do should reflect up so that God gets pleasure in glory. So, verse 5. Now, a lot of commentators think verse 5 is a bit of an inside joke. Okay? Okay? I think of it as an inside joke. Because all of mankind is united. They're going to build this city and this tower. And what does God say? God says, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. He came down. Because it was so inconsequential, he couldn't see it from heaven. <laughs> you get it? it they thought... This was this colossal mammoth thing, and God's putting everything in perspective, right? Yeah. This is the master and the maker of the universe, the one who breathed out the stars, the stars also, y'all remember that? The star- he made the stars also. It's like, yeah, okay, there's like a one with 26 zeros, and that's our current estimate of how many there are of them. And he's just letting everybody know, perspective-wise, what's going on here. Verse 6, and the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. Now, do you think the people understood that they had one language at this point? I would say probably not. Because if you're not, if you've never experienced anything other than what you've experienced, it's hard to describe another alternative, right? It's kind of like, well, how do you describe what life is like for someone who is joined at the head with someone else right conjoined twins you guys have heard of those right well how how do they describe to someone who's not conjoined what life is like I I, I don't know because that's their that's their experience so man wasn't even aware of an option that God had to intervene there's one for you man wasn't even aware of an option that God had to intervene that wasn't even in my notes that's good (laughs) <laughs> that was good. I'm glad we're recording this. That's going to go in here the next time we do this. Y'all don't know this, but I recycle everything. So like 10 years from now, we're going to do this. I'll get all excited. We're going to go through the whole Bible, guys. I mean, like two years. Just go. Through, yeah, We'll get there. So verse 6, and the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. And now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. And that's a curious sentence, isn't it? You're kind of like, does God really think that they can do anything? So let's just logic this out for just a second, because God gave us brains, so let's step through this. Could man build a tower that reaches to the heavens? How many say yes? How many say no? We've got a lot of no's. Okay, I would wholeheartedly and completely agree. So if God's not talking about the building process, what's he talking about? Their attitude, their disobedience level, right? How far can they go? It was just over 100 years and I had to wipe them all out. You know, are we going to have to do this again? This is sad. It's just incredibly, incredibly sad. It's probably referring to the reaches which their moral decay could get to. So God says, verse 7, come let us. Isn't that a beautiful word? Come let us. So who, pray tell, is God talking to? The Father is taking counsel with the Son and the Spirit. He's talking to Himself, right? Because He is the only one capable of providing any context for counsel for Himself. Isn't that cool? Some people read this and go, oh, He's talking to the angels. The angels? What are you talking about? They're like dust compared to God. <laughs> he's not talking to the angels, he's talking to himself. So when you find yourself alone, talking to yourself, kind of like God, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, just <laughs> something in there. So come, let us go down and therefore confuse. The Hebrew word literally means to mix or to mingle. Okay? And, and we, can, we can understand this word because when we go to a party and the goal of the party is to get to know other people. What do we call that party? A mixer, right? So God goes He said, let's go have a mixer. (laughs) Language style. So let's see what he does. And confuse or mix up their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, how many of you have ever been involved in a building project of any kind whatsoever? Involved in a building project. How important is communication in a building project? Pretty... You can get a divorce over it, right? Yeah, and probably some have, I, I would imagine. That, that's, or you can almost get a divorce over it, right? Let's say it that way. Um, yeah, communication is very key. Because if I'm trying to relay to David Bandy, who's the HVAC guy, I need this much of whatever, yeah, I don't even know the words to use to communicate. <laughs> I'm, I realized I walked off that plank and I had nowhere to go. So that was just... Totally should have looked at Bud, because I could say, how many two-by-fours do you need to pull off, you know, how much tile do you need to do this job or whatnot, right? But if I can't communicate with him and he can't understand me, how's the building project going to go? Pretty lousy, right? Pretty lousy. So, let us go down and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city which I I love these little phrases in the Bible, right? It's kind of like, well, duh, they ceased building the city because they weren't even anywhere near each other anymore. Just it's those, and it was so, right? Because God is still building a pattern that his word is accomplished. He's still getting us used to that idea because we're only in the 11th chapter of Genesis. So therefore, verse 9, its name is called Babel, which just means confusion by mixing. Confusion by mixing. So ladies, if you've ever had a recipe that didn't turn out, it was just awful, you mixed up the wrong things in the wrong amounts, just call it Babel because that's exactly what happened. You're mixing things and it didn't work out. That's the idea. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So, so step back for just a second. Let's look at this from a, um, from a study of man. What's the word I'm looking for there? Uh, what's the word for the study of man? Anthropology. Look at this from an anthrop- anthropological, yeah, the study of man perspective, right? If You've ever wondered how when, when the explorers of the world traveled all over the world and they got to an island and there were people there. If that's for me, just take a message. If there were people there already, and you're going, how were there people there? You know, and the the evolutionists will tell us, well, during the Ice Age, you know, man, they traveled across that little bitty skinny area over in Russia that connects the United States where Sarah Palin could see the Russians, and they walked across right there, and that's how they got into America. And I would say they skipped Genesis chapter eleven, because God scattered people over all the face of the earth. There you go. Very simple. You just believe the Bible. Explaining things becomes so much simpler. Now, the problem here is that, can you imagine how frustrating this would have been for that little moment of time where he confused their language? I mean, seriously. So somebody that you've been communicating with your entire life, you no longer can communicate with. Think about you're the person that you enjoy communicating with more than anybody else on this planet. And then, you no longer can. Now you'd be excited about that, right? I mean, this is fantastic. This is a day for selling No, this would be this would be awful. The pain and the agony and the frustration associated with this would just be horrible. But the blank there in your notes is frustration, humiliation, and pain are always the result of ignoring God. And it may not, it may not you may not experience that frustration and, and pain and humiliation on earth, but it will happen one day. It will happen one day. I love what uh, uh, Kaufman says in, in his commentary. He, he poses a question. The good commentators will pose questions and let you think about it. And he said, well, how did God pull off confusing all the languages? How did he, just, how did he do this? And this was his answer. The will of God alone was sufficient to produce the conditions that he desired to appear. Ooh. It's like trump card. I'm God. I wanted it done. So it got done, right? yes. Um, Can I correct your question? I I believe there's one race, the human race. There we go. Cool. I know that's where you're going. I just wanted to. um, I think it's very possible. Um, I think it's possible. You know, God mixed up their languages. It doesn't say that he changed anything about them. He might have. um, Right, yeah, yeah, So. Noah had all the genes necessary for everybody in this room and everybody in the rest of the planet, right, from a genetic perspective. So check that box. So a lot of people say, well, he had three sons. Well, that that divides up very neatly between the three different general ethnicities on the planet, maybe. I don't know. I think there's a lot of things God could have done. He may have had just so much variety in Noah that every baby looked different. I don't know. Noah had all the genes, right? What says you? Maybe Mrs. Noah had all the genes. I don't know. We don't know her name. But gee whiz, she had some kids, right? I mean, I I really don't know. The text doesn't say. So, Eh, no, no, I don't, um, no. (laughs) 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 Yeah, there's just. There's just so much unknown with it um, the I look at things from a probabilistic standpoint. what's the likelihood that I could be correct? Very, very small. so if there's very little likelihood that I could be correct I don 't even want to venture a guess so it's the Sherlock Holmes approach to things kind of you know guessing lowers the your ability to analyze and perceive reality and how you interpret things so, sorry I read a lot of Arthur Conan Doyle as a child, so it affected a lot of things. All right, so let's jump in real quick. Now, there's a phrase that we missed. There's a phrase that we never read when we read through verses 1 through 9, and the phrase that we never read was the Tower of Babel. But everybody calls it the Tower of Babel, but they actually built two things. What were they trying to build? A city and a tower. So don't forget the city, right? So if this ever comes up on Jeopardy, you, you know the answer. It's a city and a tower. It's not just about the tower. So let's do some application real quick. Uh, Number one, unity without proper direction is unprofitable. Because they were all pulling in the same direction, right? And that's admirable, but you've got to be pulling in the right direction. This is the the unity and truth. You know, We are called to be unified around the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what we can all get on board with. Number two, planning without God's input is futile. It just doesn't work. Don't try to do it. Uh, number three, rebellion can occur anywhere. Rebellion occurred in the Garden of Eden, right? And there it was with um, fruit and leaves. And rebellion also occurred in the Plain of Shinar, and there it was with bricks and asphalt. It can occur anywhere, absolutely anywhere. It can occur in your house, it can occur in my house. David Gazika has a great line, he says, time, progress, government, and organization have, have made man better off but not better, right? Because we have an easier, quote-unquote, life than people in the past, but it doesn't make us better morally, right? Number four, God inspects our work. Again, we see God coming down and inspecting the things that we're doing. We should pick up on this as a pattern that God is laying out for us. Uh, Number five, a unified humanity is power. Here it is, guys, but with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, sorry, I had to put a Spider-Man. I watched Spider-Man this week. So it's, the movies I watch impact the, the blanks that you fill out. I don't know if you figured this out yet or not. But. And then number six, God intervenes, because that's what God does. Praise the Lord. He intervenes. He does not leave us where we are. God could have left them in their sinful state. He, he could have. But it was, it was merciful. It was merciful to confound their languages and to spread them across the earth. Some people go, God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden and that was mean. No, it wasn't mean. It was a beautiful display of the mercy of God because if he had let them eat of the second tree in the garden so that they would have lived forever, they would have lived forever in a sinful state. Can you imagine living forever in a sinful state? Oh my goodness, God is... His mercy is shown even in his punishment. Which, as a father, I don't have a clue how to do that. I don't have a clue. my, My wrath is shown in my punishment. My anger is shown in my... His mercy is shown in his punishment. It's a beautiful God that we serve. So, personalization. What can I do with that? Number one, turn your back on pride and turn in humility to God. That's kind of the big point of this lesson and number two get unified around the things that please God you know Genesis chapter 11 I'll be done in one minute in Genesis chapter 11 God confuses the languages and in Acts chapter 2 you know what he does he brings them back together you watch in the Old Testament how many things God quote-unquote breaks and then you watch in the New Testament how many he puts back together This beautiful, beautiful picture that you don't get unless you study the whole scripture. So, Acts 2, he puts things back together. E-M-H-E. Extreme makeover, home edition. How many of you know it is coming to Chattanooga? It is coming to Chattanooga. How many of you know that the lead builder for this project is in our church? Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. His name is Craig Smith. Write that down. Because our church's part in this is twofold. One, I want you to go to this website and sign up and volunteer and give and all that stuff. This is going to be a fantastic project. But the, what, our, what our church is doing is extreme prayer partnership. We're going to be praying for this project all day long, the entire week. We'll have sign-up spots to fill in. I want to pray at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know why? Because we've got workers that are working that don't need to get injured we got people that are going to be coming in from all across the country that need to have the good news lived out as well as proclaimed to them. And we want a good testimony. There's a large number of people from this church that are going to be working on the build team itself, the folks who are actually doing the work. I need your prayers. Craig's got me inventorying building materials. I don't know nothing about building materials, but I can inventory the heck out of anything. Okay. So y'all pray for wisdom for me that I know the difference between a just pick two things. You know, I got nothing. Right. Yeah. Two by four and a two by six. I got that because I can measure it. Okay. So extreme prayer partnership. Last thing and we're done. So this concludes our first of our 25 week series. All right. So the first one's done. We're going to bounce back between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're going to alternate every five weeks. That's your blank between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Next week, we start five weeks on the early life of Jesus from his, before his birth. This will make more sense next week. It's hard to, how do you say that? I don't know. From before his birth to his, the beginning of his ministry. And then when we come back, we're going to look at Abraham, Isaac, and nobody's ever met Dwayne Alsvery? Jacob. Come on. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right. Now, one challenge before we break up and do prayer requests This last blank, there you're doing it. Stop, stop, stop. Lori, what am I about to talk about? The no movement movement. We're going to start a no movement movement in our church. When the last blank is filled in on your bulletin, shut up and sit still. Because the preacher is about to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the pagan sitting next to you may need it. You may need it, right? Shut up and be still. The No Movement Movement started by Lori Drake, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do it. Okay, so let's break up in groups and uh, pray for a couple minutes. We want the chairs stacked up in groups of seven against this wall, and that last group of three tables needs to be broken down before you guys go. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.